Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. You're on a series on the parables. And uh, we're going to talk today about the, the parable of the rich fool. And when Jesus gives us teachings, especially parables, he, he takes something which is very common, especially to the people of that era. But this parable we're going to look at today would be easy for us to relate to. And he, he says something in a very big way. He over-exaggerates. You know, it's not a true story. It's a parable. Because the whole point of the parable is at the end of the parable, how does it hit you? Because the, the purpose of the parable is to, to wake you up and get a proper perspective of what your life is supposed to be like. And so we're going to, to look today at the perspective of life in the viewpoint of eternity. And that's my message to you this morning is eternity. Um, C.S. Lewis was a great uh, thinker, philosopher, theologian. He was an atheist who became a Christian, you know, a long time ago, during, before World War II and in that era, 1940s and 50s. Let me read a, a passage he said. A man remarking on the passage of time is like a fish remarking on the color of water. A fish doesn't notice the water it swims in, Neither should a man notice time, unless he's destined for eternity. Everything we think, say, and do in this life should be viewed in the light of eternity. Otherwise, life has no purpose. Eternity defines our existence. Now, if you read this and don't understand what it's saying, it's okay. I didn't understand it either, okay? But I, I put that up to just to say, University of Guam had a good education, so I wanted to, 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 you know, you sound smart when you quote smart guys, okay? And, but, but this guy, C.S. Lewis, what he's saying is, you know, if you go out into the ocean, the fish is not a human being. It has no eternal soul. He's not thinking about the, the importance of water in my existence. But without the water, it doesn't exist. But see, we are, we are different. See, we, 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 we pretend we don't notice what time is, but we do. And because we have a concept of time, that eternity has somewhere in us that it's there, it shows that we've been created in the image of God. We're different. Other animals don't think like that. We do. See, we have a purpose. We know why we exist. We, they're, they're, that, you know, time, time is something you're all thinking about, because most of you are thinking right now, this is the third guy up here. How long <laughs> is this message going to go? Right? It's lunch. Right? Right? And, and, and you know, when, when the husband finally gets up and does what he's supposed to do, what does the wife say? It's about Right? And the husband will give me some. Right? And so, so time is something going on in our minds all the time. All the time. See? It's in our vocabulary. So, so it is a real test. Because, you know, the, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, he says this. He has put eternity into our hearts. God has put eternity into our hearts. So there's a peace in us that we, we understand that our lives are not this 80, 90, 100 years if we're blessed. It, it, it's not that. 
Our life is eternity. You know, this little, little portion of life is only this long when it's tied into eternity. But, you know, this little portion of this time is very, very important. Okay? Now, what I really want you to see is the Bible. So let's go to our parable. Will you stand with me and let's read together uh, Luke chapter 12. And this is along your series. And it's uh, Jesus. It's, he's coming. Well, let's just read it. It's very self-explanatory. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's put our voice together. Hi. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will what be prepared for you. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Let me read that last verse again. This is how it will be for who, with whoever stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word, that you would speak to each one here this morning, not in uh, condemnation, not in a big scolding, but with the purpose of this parable to just kind of whack us in the stomach and give us perspective. So help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Jesus was a great teacher. And uh, he, 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 he's saying this with great love because he's, they're, they're fighting about inheritances. They're fighting about money. They're fighting about very temporal things that don't matter at all. And so he wants to bring them back to, okay, what's important is rich towards God. Say that with me. Rich towards God. See, that should be the goal of our lives. You know, later on in that same chapter, Jesus said, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief can come near and no moth can destroy, for where your treasure is, that is where your heart is also. Amen? Um, I heard the story from a a preacher one time, and he he was going through uh, his, his Bible school seminary training. He's very poor. And so he, he, he would go to school in the daytime, and at night he worked in a mortuary. He worked for the funeral parlor. And uh, as he went along in his studies, uh, he was asked by a family if he would perform a funeral for, a, uh, for their family. And so this young, growing preacher, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. But then he realized, I don't even own a nice suit. You know, I, I only own a sport coat, and you don't wear that to a, a funeral. So he, he, he asked the owner of the funeral parlor what he should do if, if he could. And he said, I, I know what you do. In a, in, and he opens the closet, and there's all kinds of suits in the closet. And these suits, he said, these are suits that we have for dead people. Okay? Because, you know, people die, and they don't own a suit. And, and they don't want to be buried 
in a t-shirt, you know, that says, I love Guam or something, you know. <laughs> they they want to get married in a nice black suit. You know, this is a long time ago. And so uh, he said, here, just, just you can use one of these suits. So he tried on, got one to fit him perfectly. And so, uh, he, you know, he was, he's just a young preacher. And uh, so he had been going through preaching school. And so, you know, one of the things when you go to preaching school, they teach you how to use your hands and to gesture and to get people to come into your conversation. And one of the techniques is to get people to calm down as you, you kind of put your hand in your pocket like this. And you look relaxed and you look like, you know, you're, you're smart. Right? So um, anyway, this pastor, Pastor Chuck, he's preaching and he gets up and to his point and he's, and he's, he's going to do that. He puts his hand and the outside of the pocket was there, but there's no inside of the pocket. And he's trying to put his finger in there, and it won't go in. It kind of threw his message off. But he had a rhema word from God. Dead men need no pockets. <laughs> Use that samurai, okay? <laughs> Dead men need no pockets. You brought nothing in, you take nothing out. And come on, brothers and sisters, we know that. And these folks that Jesus was talking to, they're supposed to know that. And that's why he tells them this story, build your riches in heaven, because that's all that's going to matter. Be rich towards God. Amen. Now, now uh, um, I, I'm really not trying to just sound like I uh, want to be intellectual, but this is a phrase that really helped me. Can you put that next up? This is by a, a famous philosopher whose name was Kierkegaard. And he said this, Life can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forward. Now, that's kind of above me too. Okay. But, but what that simply means is this. We need to understand that we're eternal, eternal beings and that we know the end of the story, right? And if we know the end of the story, right, we, under, we can understand what's behind us. Uh, that uh, We're already decided, I'm going to heaven. I get to live forever with Jesus. You know, my, my sins are washed away. You know, my Father loves me. You know, I'm battling every day just because I'm in this temporal world. But, but if I just step back into eternity for a moment, it really doesn't matter. Right? And, and, and like, we, like our brother was saying earlier, when you're worried about your money or worry about your finance, sometimes we just got to put our foot back and take a step back. I am an eternal being. And this little portion of my existence compared to eternity means very little to worry about. Amen? And so if I know where I'm heading and, and, and what my future truly is, which is eternal, then I should live differently. And see, this, Jesus is not coming here and saying anything new to us. And this parable isn't anything new to us. But he understands that we, in the busyness of life, lose our perspective. We start fighting with our brothers and sisters about some stupid inheritance. 
You know, we get involved in, okay, is Mr. Trump better than Mrs. Hillary Clinton? Come on, Christians, don't get down to that level. We're above that. Right? Whoever your president is, you pray for them. You know, my, this is totally has nothing to do with it, but, but I forgot to show you the picture of my granddaughter. <laughs> Can you put that picture up? Because this is my wife and my granddaughter. And so my, uh, my, uh, my, my granddaughter is bilingual. So in Japanese, you say obachan means grandma, obachan. And so, so she's, saying, she's trying to say obachan, grandma. And then the, 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 the English word, of course, is grandma. So she's got the oba. And the ma. <laughs> so she's calling her Obama. Obama. And it was fun, you know, you go by walking by certain Americans, Obama, they go, oh, she's so cute. And the other, oh, Satan, you know. And <laughs> it has nothing to do with my message, but when I get talking about my granddaughter, I don't care, okay? Because that's eternal. It's eternal. Every grandpa here, raise your hand and say, I like that guy. He's a good guy, man. What were we talking about? Oh, eternity. Eternity. So let me bring that back. My, my point is that I really want to hit today is, okay, if eternity is real, and we all believe it's real, then our life should start to line up. Let me, let me just give you some... So that you really say, understand, because sometimes Christians, we just got to get the word deep into us, okay? So here's a biblical basis for understanding of, of, of what eternity is. Let me just read a few scriptures to you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, right, he's encouraging these Christians who are pretty hard-pressed, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary, say that word with me, momentary troubles are achieving for us and what? Eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, these are the kind of verses we just got to quote over and over again. This is going to pass away. Right? A lot of times, if you just go to bed and get up the next morning, it's usually passed away already. Right? You know, just hold on. It, usually things are going to get better as long as you're holding on to Jesus. Right? Because what is unseen is eternal. You know, our, our, our bodies are wasting away. Mine is. You know? I, I, I know you don't believe this. I represented the island of Guam in 1975 at the South Pacific Games. I can only say that here because it means something, okay? <laughs> I was a swimmer, okay? And, and you don't believe it, but I used to have this V body, okay? I see my good friend Brian. He remembers that. And, you know, some of you would, nobody would. Go back into the old PDN. You'll see me in, when Madeline Bordali was the governor's wife. Has, oh, I'm, I'm really going off the track here. I'm, I'm being too at home. Too at home. But the point is, my body is wasting away. Gravity 
is, is, is the V has become the, the bottom part of the Lati stone, man, you know. <laughs> used to be up here, but now it's going down here. So I understand what it is that this light and momentary trouble, one day I go to heaven, man, I'm going to have my V again, hallelujah. Amen? See, see, we need to, to be able to, to, to chuckle and laugh because that's the truth. It really, really is the truth. You see, there's the positive side. Listen to the positive side. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where there's moths and vermins and the destroy, where the thieves can break in and steal. And then Matthew chapter 6. In verse 20, he says this, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, say this with me, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure? Your treasure is in eternity. Right? So your heart should be in eternity. And so there's a lot of wonderful things waiting for us in eternity. And so if we start living that way now, the things of this world just grow strangely dim. Amen? On the negative side, and we need to say this, and some of you need to hear this, from Romans 2, Paul is is talking very strongly as he's presenting the whole picture of the gospel. And he says, but because of your stubbornness, he'd been doing a whole thing about sin and what is evil. He said, because of your stubbornness, in, in chapter 2 of Romans, your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. See, this is a reality. There is a judgment. The, 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 the worry... Of, of, of me as a Christian leader looking out into the world is no one understands and realizes the horror of that. In our society, if people stop and really think there is eternity, and what I'm doing now is going to have an impact on my eternity, they wouldn't live the way they live. They can't live the way they live. Or they would live in such fear and such terror that they couldn't get out of bed in the morning. But that's the reality. There is a judgment. How many of you are afraid of judgment day? Okay. I used to be real afraid of judgment day. But now I know the truth. Brother talked about the cross. I I got the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a broken guy. I'm a messed up guy. I'm not a perfect man. I'm a sinner saved by grace. The day I come before my judgment day, you know, every bad thing, it could be said. But who's who's standing there? Is my advocate, my lawyer, my representative, my, not just my advocate, but my redeemer. The one who went on the cross and took away all of my failure, all of my curse, all of my sin, all of my junk, all of my past. And when the God the Father comes to judge me and says, Woohoo! Because he, he's going to say that. <laughs> Enter in. Not because of my righteousness, 
but because of his righteousness. So, I'm not afraid of judgment day. Don't be afraid of it. The judgments of the Lord, you read that in, in the Psalms, it talks about they're righteous, they're holy. They're more to be desired than honey, than sweet, uh, than, than wine, than gold. Because for us, we say, yeah, God, judge me. Judge me so I can get better. Judge me because I want to enter into eternity without all this baggage with me. Amen? So there is the negative, and people need to hear it, but the positive is we can enter into eternity in a great, great way. Now, um, what time do we finish? That, what time do we finish? Okay, so this, is a, this can be an eternal message is what you're saying. Et- no, 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 no. I will try. I will go into my first closing now. Okay. <laughs> now, let me just give you some real practicals, okay? I, I, I won't spend a lot of time on it. I'll, I'll put the verses up here if you want to write them down, fine. But there's, there's just a few things the Bible says very clearly that's going to determine your eternity. Number one, of course, is your submission to lordship. In Matthew chapter 8, you remember the story, Lord, Lord. You can say it all day, but you may not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, only those who do the will of my Father shall do it. Obedience is important. You know what you're supposed to do, then do it. That's, that's worth writing down. That's better than Kierkegaard. Okay. The second one is finance. I won't read the whole scripture, but in 1, Corinthians cha- or 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it talks about, uh, in, in, from 17 all the way, but in 19 it says, In this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Your finance is a picture of what you really think about eternity. You understand that? Where's your treasure? Is your treasure in Bank of Guam? Right? Or is your treasure in the bank of heaven? Money's not bad. Love of money is evil. Money's just a tool. You know, we pay for lights with money. Pay for all this with money. We pay for our missions with money. We, we need money. Money's not bad. It's okay to have money. Look at your neighbor and say, you need more money. Okay. <laughs> John Wesley said, make all you can. So that you can give all you can. That's the heart of a believer, right? I I always say, stop saying, oh, Jesus, be the answer. Jesus is already the answer. He says, I want to make you the answer. The one who's going to go out there and help these children without presents or whatever is you. We are missional people. We're not just here on Sunday. Real church starts in about five minutes, I hope, okay? All right? When the service is over is when real church starts. We go out there, and we are the answer. You got money? Use it. Bless people. Of course, give your tithes. Of course, uh, uh, give to the church. But you got a lot more than that. I know. There's no skinny people here. (laughs) Except Mark. Mark, Mark. (laughs) As long as you got enough to eat, you're not poor. All right. Use what you got. Yeah. I'm volunteering to be the judge for the cookie contest. Uh, Okay. I said five minutes. Okay. So the third one. 
How do we live now is, of course, of our, our words. It, you, you know, this is the verse we always speed read. Matthew 12, 36. I tell you that everyone will, be, will have to give account on the day of judgment for the, every empty word they have spoken. For by your own words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's just be quiet. Because we all have these kind of words. See, words are important. Words speak life. Words come from the abundance of our heart. Where is your heart? If it's in eternity, you're not going to be talking stink about a lot of stuff. Right? If the eternal life of Christ is in your heart, it, it, it begins to change the way you talk. It changes the way you live. In 1 Corinthians 3, 8, it says, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. You can read through that famous uh, section on the building of the church there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to end on this point. What's eternal? This is eternal. Not these chairs, not the building, you understand that. But that person sitting next to you is eternal. When, you, when, when, when Jesus is saying, be rich in God. When you go to heaven, you think, do you really think there's a bank account up there for you? <laughs> I mean, we, we use those phrases, but there's no heavenly bank. Right? What would be the currency? I mean, those streets are made of gold and diamonds. Yeah. That's how worthless our richy things are. What has value to God? That person sitting next to you is your riches. Right? When we go to heaven, that's what it's all about. God, I can't take my money with me. I can't take my possessions with me. But I can take my wife, I can take my children, I can take my aunties, I can take my uncles, I can take my friends, I can take my fellow workers. God, I want to take as many people as I can because that's, that's my riches right there. So if we start thinking in the light of eternity, and I, and I just felt, you know, this, this, this is a great series for right now, right before Christmas, because everybody's open right now. Even the people who don't believe much, Christmas time, there's, there's something there. You know, there, there's some nostalgia. There's usually some depression. There's, a, there's lots of financial need because they shop too much. And it's, there's just a lot of stuff. But there's open door right now. And I'd like us all, as we kind of finish here, to just say, God, I'm going to start living more as an eternal being. Right? The way I talk, the way I spend my money, where my energy is going to be more on people right? Of course, in your job, work hard, do your best, do a great job. But you're doing that job just not to make the money. You're doing that job because of the people you're working with, too. Amen? Could, can you stand with me this morning? And let's, uh, you know, as we, as we come into the holiday season, and we get so busy just parties and Christmas parties and Christmas outreaches and Christmas cookies and Christmas trees and Christmas Christmas and Let's, let's us look at that as, no, let's make this an eternal Christmas. That the Emmanuel has really come. The eternal God. Everlasting Father. We have the message. Don't get caught up in the vile communications that's going all over the country right now. Don't get caught up in that. You are the 
messenger of the Prince of Peace. You're the bringer of the good news. Amen? Would you do me a favor and just lift your hands to the Father right now? It's good for you to do that. Even if you don't like it, do it anyway. Because let's be little children. Say, Father, we are little children and we need you so. We are weak and we are broken and we mess up a lot and we messed up this week and probably next week too. But we come and say, give us grace, O God. Forgive us of our sins, O God. Deliver us from evil, O God. But more than anything else, let your kingdom of eternity come into me today. Let it come into my wife, into my children, into my grandchildren, into my friends, and into my parents. Let the kingdom of God come onto this island and all through Micronesia. Lord, bless this church and bless these people. Fill them with the Holy Spirit as they've never been filled before. And use this holiday season to get other people to walk into eternity. That we can sit back on New Year's Day and say, hey, I'm rich in God. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen.